again like don't don't try and wing it i mean i'm 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 biased i'm a business coach right but i would always in, like recommend thoroughly go and speak to as many business owners experienced business owners and if you can get a mentor or a coach sort of in your corner cuz otherwise i mean we you know we had a great business actually in the web design side of things and we did you know i'd say in the end we were successful but we probably had seven or eight years worth of struggle to get to the success first mm. um and i think if we'd if i'd leaned into reading books speaking to getting mentors on board um getting business coaches involved in the business and showing me how to do things as opposed to me trying to figure it out for myself i think we would have got there a lot quicker it's very cliched i know and i'm biased <laughs> Hey everyone, this is Devin Miller here with another episode of The Inventive Journey. I'm your host, Devin Miller, the serial entrepreneur that's grown several startups into seven and eight figure businesses, as well as the founder and CEO of Miller IP Law, where he helps startups and small businesses with their patents and trademarks. If you ever need help with yours, just go to strategymeeting.com, grab some time with us to chat, and we're always here to help. Now, today we've got another great guest on the podcast, uh, Robin Waite. And uh, Robin uh, never uh, planned on going to university. Instead, uh, did a, a side hustle out of the out of the gate, um, or sold laptops for a period of time. Uh, then worked as an analyst for a medical company, um, and then did some marketing and uh, branding, or did a marketing and branding business, and then sold off the agency. Uh, went into coaching to help people to build their business or their companies uh, to that or to or to uh, later sell them, and uh, that's what he's been doing uh, as of today. And uh, he'll share even more details along his journey. So, with that much as a uh, introduction, welcome on the podcast, Robin. Oh, great to be here, Devin. Thank you so much for inviting me on the show. Absolutely. So I just gave a, a, a very condensed version to a much longer journey. So why don't uh, we uh, rewind and unpack that a bit and telling us, tell us a little bit about how your uh, journey got started, uh, not uh, planning on going to university, but rather jumping into a side hustles. Yeah, well, it, it, I did. Um, uh, so we we have something called sixth form, which I guess is your probably equivalent of high school um, over in, in, in the States and Canada. Um, and um uh, during that, I did a um, what was called an A level, which was like a um, we, you do three subjects basically when you're in high school in sixth form, um, and it, I did a business. Um, at one of my A levels was in business, and I really got a bug for it. But at that time, the internet was like in its infancy. We're talking sort of going way back, sort of into the into sort of the mid to late 1990s. Um, so it was very, very young and internet businesses just weren't really a thing. And I, I kind of knew that was what I wanted to get into because I was kind of dabbling around with bits and pieces of websites and things like that, but mm. didn't know how to apply it because I was only, you know, a little teenager at that time. So, um, so yeah, so I, I just by pure accident, um, I wanted to get myself a laptop. So I, I bought this, um, uh, it was a Toshiba and it was one of the ones which, I mean, bearing in mind, this is like 20 plus years ago you could swizzle the screen around and turn it into a tablet, right? So it was like really unique. And they used to use them on construction sites because they used to, I used to sell them with this hard like packaging, uh, like, you know, case for it. So they would, you could drop them off nine stories and they would just bounce. And um, I found a place where I could buy these things for like a few hundred pounds, right? So, you know, 800, $900 or something like that. But I was selling them on for four or $5,000 a pop. So like a huge markup. Um, and I did that for, I don't know, probably about four or five months. And then all of a sudden, just the bubble burst and they were all over eBay, all of, the, you know, the same laptops I've been selling. And mm. I could still make a few hundred bucks out of them, but it was just not really the same as when you've been making like several thousand dollars a, a piece. 
Mm. Um, and and actually at that time, I had a really great opportunity. A friend of mine, um, he was doing, um, we met through the systems analyst job, which I had, uh, which I kind of ended up doing during my, at the same time as my degree. So I did a business management degree because I was like, right, I've got to learn more about this business thing and actually create something that's sustainable. And uh, whilst I was at the systems analysis job, I met this amazing guy who um, he was just into computers, into like websites, um, technology, um, all sorts of things like that. And um, whilst I was on holiday one uh, one year, he phoned me whilst I was in America, actually Florida. And he said, Rob, I've got this great idea for business. Why don't we actually just spend time building websites for other people? You love design and coding. I love design and coding and building things. So let's do it. And so the, the rest was kind of history. We set that up in 2004, worked with like hundreds of businesses during that time, building websites, doing branding and all sorts of fun stuff like that. Um, no. And, and oh, it's God. kind of in that. Sorry. No, I was going to say, I mean, that that makes it sound much, much easier than it probably is. So, I mean, you went from, you know, selling laptops to starting your own business, you know, and I guess selling laptops was starting or was a business as well. But, you yeah. know, how, you know, just jumping in and even in the early stage, because, you know, you have a kind of the flip side of the coin. Now websites are ubiquitous. Everybody has one or most businesses do. Earlier on, people didn't. And so it was a niche market. But by the same token, you also had to convince people they actually needed websites or it was valuable, their business or worthwhile. So once you and your friend had the idea, let's, uh, you know, let's uh, go ahead and dive in and uh, and start building that a business around that. How did you yeah. guys actually get started or take that from a, an idea or concept to an actual business? Well, I mean, as you correctly alluded, like the internet was growing at a really rapid sort of rate at that time. And there's some quite interesting statistics actually around sort of the business side of things, um, which tallies with, you know, the impact that the internet had on business growth generally. Um, so sort of around about that time when we started the business here in the UK, there was only about half a million registered small businesses. And you compare that to today. Now there's 6 million registered small businesses. There's been like a tenfold increase in the number of registered businesses. And mm. those statistics have kind of been thanks to the Internet. They've been reflected sort of all around the world. So um, as the Internet got bigger and there are more businesses growing, we just saw it as a really fantastic opportunity to kind of you know go in and get a, a slice of the pie. There's one, there's one mistake, though, which I, I look back on and I, I wish I'd actually um, uh, sort of done things ever so slightly differently. So all this time we were busy sort of, you know, 10, 12 years building websites for other people. And I wish at that time that I'd actually doubled down on a couple of sort of, you know, built a few apps for ourselves that potentially we could have turned into, I don't know, some kind of a SaaS platform or something like that. I'm not suggesting that I ever would have built a Facebook or a, a Google or anything, but I never put myself in the market to be able to kind of create something like that. And I do look back and we had a golden opportunity and um, we didn't necessarily take it. However, that is a really useful piece of information to me to take for, for me to have been able to take forward and apply to other businesses that I've started since. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it was just, it was just taking advantage essentially of the, the rap. Everybody saw it as like, right, we'll go and get a BNI networking membership. We'll go and get a business card and we need a website. That, that was like the, the trifecta which you needed when starting a business back in the 2000s. No, make now makes uh, sense on how you guys got started. Now, kind of a question because 
you know, now as the business evolves, you know, become it starts out as, you know, there isn't a a, 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 a large amount of people that can do or website coding or designing. And as it starts out as a niche, then it grows. And now as of, you know, today, you can almost go and just get a, a website, you know, go do a Shopify or a Wix and they have their templates and everybody thinks not that they can always build a good one, but everybody thinks that they can just spend a few hours, build a website and it'll be as great as anybody else. And, uh, and so how do you, you know, as, the business evolved how did you, did you keep it or keep it fresh or keep uh keep growing it um when it becomes a a larger marketplace but also more a a more crowded marketplace yeah i mean the, the technology evolved but also things like google started to sort of come through the ranks so you had to make sure that any site you put out, i mean it's still relevant today any site that you build you have to make sure that it's search engine friendly so that um, you know, it appears not just in Google, but being Yahoo, all of the different search engines that are out there. And it's actually like, you know, we're moving into the realms of, you know, AI now and chat GPT, chat GPT has been like a big thing over the last few months. And the reality is that at some point, chat GPT is going to take over from what search engines are doing. So you're going to have to design your website. Websites will still be relevant, but you'll have to design your website in such a way that it then feeds into AI technology more so than than Google. Similar principles around sort of SEO, but it's now SEO for AI, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So I think we're going to see quite a big shift over the next sort of five years into that sort of space. But yeah, back then it was all about, you know, um, you know, you, there could be, I don't, let's say 30 different businesses in your niche, accountants say in, in, in your local town. And if your website was better optimized and you got to number one on Google, obviously you you took a a, a big share of the market. Then Google evolved. So Google wasn't just then about organic search. It evolved into Google My Business. Again, still massively relevant. You know, you look at the Google homepage and the real estate, which, um, you know, uh, uh, businesses, business listings take up now on the on the Google homepage with the maps, with the top three listings on Google My Business, you know, with the star ratings on there and the reviews. Um, so we kind of just evolved. It, essentially, we were kind of evolving alongside Google. Whatever Google brought on board, we we built and made our websites better to plug into that. And yes, you got the web web builders, you got the Wix, the Weeblies, the WordPresses, and all those sorts of things. Squarespace. There's lots of very good ones out there, but they still need a certain element of optimization. They still need good quality content, good quality pictures, and your brand also needs to, to look credible. You, you know, the amount of people who do sort of DIY logos, smash it up on a Wix website and then think that, right, they're going to make a million dollars. Well, no, you actually have to put a little bit of thought into it because you are competing, you mm. know, in a global marketplace. No, it makes uh, makes perfect sense. So maybe just uh, one uh, one question to follow that up is, uh, you know, as you're as you're seeing the marketplace evolve, and as you said, it used to be everything from you'd have, you know, get the the right URL. Now you get the right uh, backlinks. Now you have to get the right content. Now you have to get you know all of these different things in order to keep yourself relevant and Google My Business. And now you have Chat GPT, and it continues to evolve. You know, as your business was growing and uh, continuing to expand, how did you? figure out, you know, how to stay relevant. It was a, you know, reading a lot of books or following the market trends or setting your own trends or kind of how did you guys continue to evolve the business or, or keep it relevant? Yeah. So there, there was one book, which in particular, which is hugely transformational for me. And it, it actually has a hallowed place. It has its own spot on my shelves over my shoulder. Um, hmm. And there's a book by an author called John Warrillow called Built to Sell. 
And um, I, I won't, you know, I'd encourage any business owner to go and read it, especially if you're in the service space, but it's all about this notion of productizing services. How do you package up a service and essentially kind of sell something where you're doing one thing really well for one specific type of client? So we fell into the trap around about when I was um, sort of uh, just before I got that book, we fell into the trap of kind of what we, I class as a full service agency where you're kind of doing brochures and web design and SEO and branding, getting into Google ads. And so you didn't, we, we were doing all these like multitude of different things. I didn't feel we were really um, sort of doubling down on any one particular one of those. There was a couple of things which we did really well, um, mm. but it wasn't until I read built to sell where he talks about this this um funny enough it was about another agency um it's like told as a fable like a parable a story um and uh, this guy wants to sell it so he goes to speak to his mentor and he, his mentor basically says well you do too many things for too many people it's just too confusing so you're never going to be able to sell it so the guy's really disappointed but then he goes on this journey gets mentored through like um essentially figuring out what is the one thing which they do really well for their one specific audience so um and then there's Part, there's different parts to it as well. So with us, for example, we did branding particularly well. Websites were good, but our branding was exceptional. Um, mm. And in terms of just basic logo design, getting somebody really confident around having a, a, a just a simple style guide on how to utilize their brand and, and, and things like that. And um, there's this thing in agency land, I call it design agency ping pong, right? And you probably will have experienced this, Devon where you want to get a logo done and they kind of say you kind of back and forth ping pong around like you know about the price and then eventually settle on a price and you start the work but you can't start immediately because they've got too many clients and, and then they eventually start and they send you three logo composite logos and you look at it and go well I like the colors in that one the font in that one and the shape of that one so we smash them together and three months later you kind of give something to somebody and they kind of go yeah so we we kind of had a bit of that going on in our agency. The end result we felt was always really good, but the, it was the three months in the back and forth that most business owners denied. So what we did is we identified the seven, we had seven steps in our process. Um, we figured those out and all of a sudden the time came, the time frame came down to just, you know, half, half that six weeks on average. But right. I was like, this still isn't good enough. We can do this better. Like what if we created this one day branding workshop so it's literally like logo design in a day. And um, the first one we did, the client arrived at half past eight. They didn't leave till nine o'clock at night, but we we did it. We got our seven steps done, took the client through it. They got a logo, they got the guidelines. It was amazing. It's epic. And they're super happy. And over time, we delivered um, probably about another 50 or 60 more of these before I sold the agency. Mm. Um, and it, we refined it to a point whereby we could do it, deliver it in about three or four hours. We, the client, it, it, and it was even to a point where we knew that just after lunch, there would be a dip. Everybody would have that like, you know, post sugar sort of coma in the afternoon and there'd be a dip. And we could predict that in our seven step process between steps four and five, just after lunch, we'd hit a dip. And so I could build in a process to kind of pull them out of that dip and then finish off the logo. And, and it happened each and every time. Um, hmm. So yeah, and, and we got known for doing that. And the beautiful thing about it was when it came to pricing, because we got known for for this one day branding work workshop. And when we started, we were kind of just doing about 50 pounds an hour. And previously, whilst there was three months worth of work, it may only be about 10, 15, 20 hours worth of billable time. So you're talking like a few hundred pounds, say, for a logo, which, you know, back then was a lot for us. We're a small local agency. Mm. When it came to the, the one day branding workshop, the first one I sold, did take us quite a long time but we um the guy said well actually i've got a product launch next week and i need this on thursday could you do that and i was like well if i can find a designer yeah 
Um, but like, obviously I've got to spin a few things up, move a, thing, a few things around. He said, well, I don't care how much it costs. Just let's get it done. So at that point I went, okay, cool. 1500 pounds. So that was effectively three times the price of what we charged our hourly rate at. Hmm. And I, I was kind of like, I, I, I couldn't believe it when he said yes. I was kind of like, oh my God, he said yes to that. So I had this massive lightning bolt around pricing at that point. And, um, and it, and it evolved from there. I had another guy who, um, one of my mentors, actually, he said, Robin, I, I need one of those workshops. I need you up in York tomorrow. Now, York, from where I am, it's like, well, probably for people in the US, it's like this, the length of a state in the US, right? So it's a good few hundred miles. It's a, bit, a large chunk of traveling. And I couldn't really be bothered to go up there, even for 1,500 pounds. He called me back five minutes later and he said, Robin, um, I need you to get in your car. You're doing it tomorrow. He said, I've secured it for 18,000 pounds. My eyes popped out of my head. I was like, what? And seriously, by the time I got up to York, money's in my bank account. They organized the hotel while I was in the car on the way up there. We delivered it, got great results, came home, you know. And again, that was another lesson. If people need something fast and they need it doing well, they're happy and, you know, they're happy to pay for it. Hmm. No, I think that's uh, definitely a great lesson learned. And, you know, it is one of those, especially as you're starting out. But I think even if you're an established business to do a significant raise and raise, you're always worried that, hey, we're going to alienate the customers. It's going to be too much. Our business is going to drop off. And there is a point that if you raise it to a price that people are no longer able to afford, that you're going to either have a much smaller uh, or size of or customer base, which may be good, and you just do less work and get paid more, or you may price yourself out of the marketplace, but vice versa. I think a lot of times, to your point, people tend to under undercharge for their services because they're trying to, or, you know, in their mind, stay competitive, so to speak. So it uh, sounds like a, a great uh, great lesson to learn and uh, and, uh, and was a, a fun a fun part of your journey to hear. So so now as, the, as we've kind of reached the present day of your journey and even uh, heard a little bit before a little bit about where you guys are headed, um, great time to transition to the, the two questions I always ask at the end of each episode. So we'll jump to those now. So the first question I always ask, or and you already touched on maybe a little bit, but is along your journey, what was the worst business decision you ever made? And what'd you learn from it? Yeah, so um, I, I spoke, it wasn't really a business decision as such. It was just... Um, uh, it was just one of those things that ended up resulting in a bit of a dumb tax. Okay. And when I sold my agency, um, there was, I had a lot going on sort of family wise. Um, we were kind of between daughters at that time, me and my wife. So we were expecting our next daughter about a month down the road. And um, uh, I kind of just ended up rushing the sale process and I didn't kind of apply my due diligence to the, the, it wasn't so big really that I needed to get lawyers involved to help me through the transaction, but um, I had a loan within the old business, only a small loan. It was about £10,000. And um, uh, it, I had a personal guarantee on it. And when I went to transfer the business over, I spoke to the loan company and I said, "Can you? Um, what do I need to do in order to make sure that this is transferred over to the new business owner? Um, oh, they've got to get them to sign this debenture. We'll take care of that. Don't worry. And when I phoned up and I said, has this been done to, to close the deal? Mm. Um, they actually said, oh, we can't really speak to you now because you, you're no longer the owner of the business. So for data protections, we can't say yes or no. And I didn't, I didn't, I was kind of stuck at that point. I didn't know which way I was going, but I was like, well, the deal's kind of done now. So, and, and then sure enough, a few months later, the, the people who bought it, very unethical, but they realized that the PG was still in my name. So canceled the loan and I had to pay for it. 
Mm. Um, so that cost me £10,000. But again, it was a, a valuable lesson in terms of like, you need to slow down a lot on things like that, the important stuff in order to then speed up. No, and I think that is sometimes you get excited about the opportunity, the deal, where it could be going, what you know, what all it involves, and you get to, or some to jump over the things that are also important that uh, at the time don't seem to, to matter as much, or you can uh, circle back on later. So I think that's a easy mistake to to make, but a, a great one to learn from. Yeah. Second question now that I always ask is, if you're talking to somebody that's just getting into a startup or a small business, what would be the one piece of advice you'd give them? Um, again, like don't, don't try and wing it. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm biased. I'm a business coach. Right. But I'd always in, like recommend thoroughly go and speak to as many business owners, experienced business owners. And if you can get a mentor or a coach sort of in your corner, because otherwise, I mean, we, you know, we had a great business actually in the web design side of things. And we did, you know, I'd say in the end we were successful, but we probably had seven or eight years worth of struggle to get to the success first. Mm. Um, and I think if we'd, if I'd leaned into reading books, speaking to getting mentors on board, um, getting business coaches involved in the business and showing me how to do things as opposed to me trying to figure it out for myself, I think we would have got there a lot quicker. It's very cliched, I know, and I'm biased. Um, and alongside that as well is like, People kind of, um, when one of the most common mistakes I see people make when they're starting out in business, they they make lots of assumptions, but they don't actually go out and then validate their their hypothesis, their ideas. Um, they don't get gather enough data. So if so if one person says, "Oh, you're too expensive," they kind of just believe them instead of actually really maybe I should go and pitch my product to like twenty or thirty people and see how many of them out of those ones say yes and no to that. And so like get a bit of statistical significance there, a good amount of data. From that, you can then obviously refine your offer, refine your products, um, get more confidence around your charging as well. Because if you get 10 people out of 20 say yes, well, you know that probably actually maybe you're even a bit too cheap. So you can kind of go through the gears a little bit. Um, but but yeah, it's just it's just, you know, get a mentor, listen to them, be patient and then um, get enough data to actually validate your idea. No, I think that's uh, some great, uh, great piece of advices and or pieces of advice and some uh, great takeaways. So, well, as we're now wrapping, excuse me, now wrapping up the episode, if uh, people want to reach out to you, they want to be a customer, they want to be a client, they want to be an employee, they want to be an investor, they want to be your next best friend, any or all of the above, what's the best way to reach out to you, contact you, find out more? Yeah, absolutely. So um, two, the two best ways are LinkedIn. So just go and find me, Robin Waits. Uh, that's weight with an E on the end of it as well. I always have to remind people. And then I've also got a gift for your um, your listeners, your viewers, Devon, as well, awesome. um, if I may. So uh, the book you can see over my shoulder there, Take Your Shot, is a story about one of my first coaching clients. Um, it's got close to 700 reviews on Amazon. So I've got a, a small pile available to your, to your listeners, uh, Devon, which I will sign and post out to them. Um, and they can go and apply for one at fearless.biz forward slash TYS for Take Your Shot. Awesome. Well, I definitely encourage uh, the, the listeners to take advantage, advantage of that uh, generous offer. Uh, great, a great, get a great book and even a signed edition, uh, as well as uh, support a great company. So uh, thank you for that and definitely encourage people to reach out and connect otherwise. And so with that, thank you again, Robin, for coming on the podcast. It's been a fun. It's been a pleasure. Now for all of you, the listeners that are out there, if you have your own journey to share and you'd like to be a guest on the podcast, we'd love to have you. So let's go to uh, inventiveguest.com, apply to be on the show. 
couple more things as listeners make sure to click share subscribe leave us a review helps us to reach even more startups and small businesses to help them along their journey to success and last but not least if you ever need help along your journey uh, with your with patents trademarks or anything else with your startup your small business just go to strategymeeting.com grab some time with us to chat and we're always here to help well thank you again robin for uh, coming on the podcast and wish the next leg of your journey even better than the last awesome thank you devin